You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. So if if your mom is my mom and my dad is your dad and we're both born on October 11, then you and I are like like sisters. Sisters. Hallie, we're like twins. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. And you're listening to another episode of Nostalgia Be Damn, the show where we take some of your favorite movies you watched growing up, the ones you feel nostalgic about. We watch them objectively and let you know, are these movies any good or are you just blinded by nostalgia? This week, we watched 1998's romantic family comedy, The Parent sure. Trap. I feel yeah. weird about saying romantic family comedy, but it is, right? It is. Yeah. I mean... This is, it's a Disney movie. It is now on Disney Plus if you feel the need to watch it before you listen to the rest of this episode. And it is quintessential Disney because it is about as wholesome as you can get, but still a rom-com. It's weird. Yeah, a hard right turn from the typical fare on Nostalgia Be Damned. Don't ever accuse us, you know, of not trying new things because this is a movie not necessarily geared toward the young boy audience, but... As we mentioned on our Mulan episode, on on previous episodes, we both grew up with sisters, and so this, for me, was in heavy rotation. I had the old clamshell case, so yeah, it was 98, I was 7, I must have saw this probably the year after when it finally came to VHS, but from then till probably I was 12 years old, I watched it several times a year. Yeah, I was 6, and I actually saw this movie in theaters. Oh, okay. Yep. And this movie is something I wanted to talk about right off the bat. It is timed perfectly for 1998 because I think that's when people are really starting to take notice of high divorce rates. You know what I mean? And, And families were getting a little bit more complicated or at least it was starting to become more socially accepted and understood that families are not always mom, dad, kids. It sometimes gets a little bit more complicated than that. My family was complicated like that. I have a stepsister, a half-sister, a stepfather who adopted me. It's, you know, it's a whole story. I'm not going to give you the whole story, but this movie really kind of hit home, not only for my sisters as a, you know, a movie for them, but also just for my family in general, because, you know, not all families are complicated. And this story is about as complicated as it gets for families. Same. I have a half-sister, two stepsisters, and my other sisters. I mean, they're all my sisters. But yeah, coming from a family of sisters, exclusively sisters, this really kind of struck a chord with me as well. And it also wasn't... What I really liked about this movie, I think, as a kid, and what I realized on this rewatch, and we'll get into it more, of course, throughout the plot, but... What I liked most was that the kids are smart. They don't play down to the audience. And for me, I think that's what kept me coming back to this movie. Because there's still, even though it's you know a very specifically centered on a little girl and therefore will appeal to young girls, I think there's a lot in there for young boys as well. I, I was going to say, watching this on the rewatch, I never felt targeted. I never felt targeted. You know what I mean? Like, I never right. felt at one point they were reaching for a specific audience. I do think, obviously, with the lead characters and sort of some of, you know, what's going on in this movie, I think it is geared a little bit more towards girls. But they do a really good job in this film of keeping it sort of very generic for everyone. You know, like, as a little boy, this is a movie that I enjoyed as a kid, as a little boy, you know? And um, so I, I obviously... It does a good job at including everybody. 
This uh, this is the same era as like small soldiers, which you think is is targeting the exact you know other gender in their marketing. Yeah, opposite. And it has much less for I think the female crowd in that movie than this does for the the boy crowd. But again, one hundred percent. We knew going into this, this wasn't a critically reviled film, which again isn't necessarily our standard on the show. But we tend to like to go towards the more rotten stuff because it's fun to talk about. This movie sure. has a six point five on IMDb, which is I thought was kind of low going in, but an eighty six percent. On Rotten Tomatoes. This is like our second straight week of like mid '80s reviewed films. So. <laughs> yeah, man, we gotta do some trash soon. <laughs> we are in desperate need for good wholesome movies here. I am going fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so this, of course, is a remake of the 1961 film of the same name, starring Haley Mills. Stars Lindsay Lohan in her debut performance, her feature film debut, anyway. And I forgot that from 1998 really to Freaky Friday in 2003, she didn't do anything. She doesn't have as big a a resume as I pictured when I started looking through her previous credits because I was Team Lone Hand for a very long time. Oh, my God. I was going to mention before this podcast started, Lindsay Lohan, probably my first celebrity crush. Really? Yeah. Adored Lindsay Lohan. And you're right. She does have kind of this... I guess light resume for someone who had her kind of fame growing up. You think of her more as like a child actress because of movies like this, but like you said, up up until like Freaky Friday, Mean Girls, and Herbie, Herbie fully, fully loaded. loaded. That's right, brother. Um, <laughs> you don't really see much of her, which is bizarre, um, especially because she also unfortunately kind of fell into this time frame where we weren't really respectful of some of the younger celebrities boundaries absolutely um she had a rough go of it the way of like britney spears and amanda Bynes. That, oh exactly i'm thinking of yeah the, the the early to mid 2000s was one of the worst times for the paparazzi maybe ever it's just the you know the glorification of that scandalous side of celebrity we were obsessed with it and we still are yeah. we always will be it's just kind of our shitty human nature but they really did her wrong yeah they were really aggressive too with sexualizing some of these younger celebrities and i think that probably makes it worse interesting retrospective now when we watch this film just because she i mean she's adorable in this movie and just to think what she goes through from 98 until 2020 woo yeah it is a shame it is a shame much like this being her debut i didn't realize this is this film of course directed by nancy myers this is her feature film debut. She's a very prolific romantic comedy writer-director who followed The Parent Trap up with What Women Want, which is a stay tuned. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Something's Gotta Give. The Holiday, It's Complicated, and The Intern. Oh, no way. Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway. (laughs) Wow. So again, pretty successful, though, in her own right, in that genre, in her wheelhouse. This one cost $15 million to make. It earned $66 million in the States and $92 million worldwide. Finished 32nd on the charts for the year of 1998 in the U.S. So in terms of movies we've covered on the podcast that year, it puts it below Armageddon, The Waterboy, Godzilla, Mulan, and Ants. But it outgrossed Halloween H2O, Small Soldiers, Mighty Joe Young, and Jack Frost. Holy shit. I mean, it's on the good and bad side of all. <laughs> 80-something episodes in, man, and you look back and it like, what are we doing with our life and our time? <laughs> what the fuck were we doing? Yeah. 
my god i would say out of all this all these movies i don't want to tip my hand too quickly but i think this is definitely one of the get better the movies fuck out of here of dude all of Jack those Frost? ones that we watch godzilla did you hear those movies <laughs> <laughs> you're right no you're right you know what you're right halloween h2o fuck yes totally. hello cool j lives fuck. in the end what am i thinking mighty joe young yeah exactly no honestly this is probably the best of the pack we'll get into it as we go along mm-hmm. this feature that i mentioned last episode and i you know god strike me down i'm gonna continue it this movie rated pg for some mild mischief oh no <laughs> oh is there fucking some mild mischief in this i can't wait <laughs> so many pranks lad scarlett johansson alex mckenna michelle trachtenberg and mara wilson all auditioned for the dual roles mm-hmm. In casting the roles of twins Hallie and Annie, director Nancy Myers kept saying, I'm looking for a little Diane Keaton. Ooh. She said, Diane is the actress who is so alive on screen, that's what I wanted from the actress in these parts. And sort of, that makes sense in retrospect. I, you know what? I, I kind of get that casting idea. That was a good call. You know, it's so funny you mentioned Scarlett Johansson because I kept thinking about, like, what if Lindsay Lohan had just kind of stayed on track in her acting career? And the first thing I thought of was Black Widow. Yeah. I was like, she she could she would have been an Avenger she was, I mean, getting to be that famous at at some point. They came up the same time because Scarlett Johansson's in, what, Home Alone 3 right around this time, if I remember correctly. Yeah. She is. I remember that. So the role of the father, Nick Parker, who have, thankfully was cast as American legend himself, Dennis Quaid. Oh, my God. When he fucking first pops up under that scene with that freaking, oh, my God, that grin. Whew. Whew. Hearts melt. What a hunk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. However, many actors considered in Hollywood for this role. David Hasselhoff, Richard Gere, Jeff Bridges, Jeff Daniels, Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, Robin Williams, Kurt Russell, Patrick Swayze, Bill Murray, Harrison Ford, and Pierce Brosnan. All considered for the role. Uh, okay, some of those guys I get. But that, were we just fucking every fucking guy in Hollywood? Doesn't matter. Can you picture Robin Williams in this fucking movie, or God, or like even Tom Hanks in this role? Just like oh, I'm picturing Tom Hanks, like he'd be great. Don't get me wrong, but it just doesn't. It doesn't. I'm picturing Randy Quaid in this role, and that makes it all the better. well. Obviously, Randy Quaid. Get out of here with that. <laughs> Hello, boys. I'm back. <laughs> Hello, girls. You're twins. <laughs> Actress Joanna Barnes played the Wicked Girlfriend in the original Parent Trap. She actually plays the mother of the Wicked Girlfriend in this version. Fun little Easter egg there. Yeah. By the time the movie actually came out, all of the cast members that played the adult family members in the original 1961 film had sadly passed away, except for Maureen O'Hara, who had played the twin's mother. Sadly, in real life, she also outlived Natasha Richardson, who played the twin's mother in the remake. Richardson, who, of course, had been married to Liam Neeson for many years, died in a tragic skiing accident in 2009. And this role here really makes you, really makes you miss that woman, man. She is so charismatic, just such, so full of life and energy and beautiful, beautiful talent. She's perfect in this movie. It's really, yeah. really sad. Um, damn. No, I'm sad. This movie's a, a tearjerker in general, it, by the it way. It kind of is. It really is. And and speaking of the, the mother character, somewhat considered an oddity of a Disney movie by film historians, as this is one of the only films, maybe the only film, that shows a mother smoking a cigarette and getting deliberately drunk in the movie, in a Disney movie. Pretty cool. Yeah. 98 different times, man. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And uh, of course, being from Maine, Camp Walden is based on an existing camp for girls with that name in Denmark, Maine, actually. So cool. And lastly, there are plans in the works currently to produce a remake that will stream exclusively on Disney Plus. Again, of course, that was a couple years ago when they first announced it. I think 2018 and nothing has really been made public as of then. But there those plans are in the in the works. So we'll see. (sighs) Whatever. But anything else, man, about your experience with the Parent Trap, or you want to just get in? Uh, no, man. I think let's just dive in. I'll, I'll think of something as we go along. All right. Well, we begin with L is for the way you look. A little Nat King Cole. Brandon's first comments are about the soundtrack in this movie. What a soundtrack it is indeed, man. There's a few gems in there. Are she blows? <laughs> are she blows again? That's the pirate version. Classy, very classy. Thank you. There's a brief marriage ceremony on a transatlantic crossing on the Queen Elizabeth II. All we see at first are some hands, lavish decor, our couple dancing, you know, silhouette style almost in the in the dark on the deck while fireworks explode overhead. Where the dreams have no end, wine bottle is poured at their table. That was one thing I remembered to make note of as I was writing these notes down because I thought the one thing I really remember from this movie, Dennis Quaid, he fucking loves wine. <laughs> See, I didn't remember that from this movie, but god damn it, does he fucking love wine in this movie. Holy fuck. Man, this movie makes you want to be wealthy. Oh, Most of the so movies much. always make them out to be snooty assholes and stuff. These guys are real cultured and sophisticated. And everything looks beautiful. The nicest fucking rich people in the world, man. Everybody loves them. Fuck them. We end our opening credits with uh, a marriage photo. Natasha Richardson, Dennis Quaid. This is 1986. He's an American winery owner. Nick Parker. She's Elizabeth James, British wedding gown designer. What fucking white privilege assholes. (laughs) And also, let's talk about goals. The freaking names. Nick Parker, American. Elizabeth James, English. Elizabeth James. Elizabeth James and Nick Parker. Fuck yeah, man. Cut to Camp Walden, Maine. Eight weeks long this summer camp is. I believe it's actually shot, though, these parts in Vancouver and New Hampshire because nothing ever really gets shot in Maine. Before we move on with this, I want to ask you, as a kid from Maine, you went to a summer camp like this, right? No, I never have gone to a summer camp in my entire life other than to visit the the, the grounds in the offseason. I never have either. No. I've never been to a summer camp like this where they just ship off the kids for the summer. They're like, you're gone. This happens often. In fact, our friend of our show, uh, Spencer, whom you hear at the beginning of this podcast, was a counselor for many years. So I'm sure we'll get many of this camp lingo wrong and he'll have something to say about it. Spencer. I don't fucking care, Spencer. I don't care. (laughs) Congratulations on your engagement. Oh, yeah, exactly, man. Hey, congrats. Congrats. So, snap back to reality. I've never been to a summer camp, actually, so I don't know how realistic this is. However, this is what I thought summer camps were like growing up. Like, this is my, this and Friday the 13th is what, it was either you grew up and you had, like, fun prank wars, or you were having sex and someone stabbed you with a machete. My only recollection of uh, summer camp, because I also, I did, like, a couple Boy Scout camps, but those were, like, a week long, not eight. Yeah, my only experience of summer camps was this movie in wet hot american summer nice yeah i came to that much later in life but speaking of friday the 13th i did just record over six or seven hours with the throw me podcast guys in australia an entire retrospective of the friday the 13th series so that'll be coming out on their feed in a couple of weeks there we'll promote it but just a shout out anyway we're introduced to hallie this of course Lindsay lohan from napa valley california and you can tell 
Each of them are given very distinct personality traits based, I mean, just on their fucking wardrobe. She's got a denim jacket on, dude. Lots of colors. She's got pierced ears. That's important. She's the cool twin. Late 90s. Yes, late 90s indeed. Then there's Annie, the prim and proper ponytailed young lady from London, England. She's introduced getting out of a limo with her butler, Martin, played by Simon Coons or Kunz, I believe his name is. And what an elaborate handshake routine they have, man. This is just cute AF. Yeah. Right? I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, it is. It's, you know, yeah. it's whatever. How do you feel about the same music cue that they do every single time? They do? <laughs> I mean, you know, you hear it the first time and you're like, okay. And then when it happens the second time, and it's like, re- it's like very bolster it's like because the second time they do it it's like kind of an emotional scene well it's the airport and then, yeah it lets you yeah, know it's the airport yeah. that yeah and like and it just like it blasts in your face it's very jarring <laughs> this entire score actually i remembered by heart for some reason i hadn't seen the movie did. in many years but i remembered beats of this music the score by heart martin though this guy what a character i really enjoyed him as a kid and i gotta say he's pretty funny here as well i believe i've seen this guy in other things but i can't think of it off the top of my head but a fun actor and funniest part of this movie i would say so him and yeah the other help quote unquote <laughs> that's uh, introduced later on in the film yeah maybe these aren't the greatest rich people ever <laughs> yeah hang on a second so Maggie Wheeler. Actually, you remember Janice from Friends. I recognize her as one of the camp counselors here. That's right. Janice. We get a bit of this slapsticky routine where they almost run into each other several times. This, uh, you know what? I'll be, I'll be frank. This is a bad start to the movie. <laughs> it really is. Like them, like almost seeing each other is, you know, it, it made sense as a kid, as an adult watching it. It's annoying. It's like very frustrating. Yes. And and some of it very unbelievable to it. Like there are scenes where they're like standing right next to each other, like right next to each other and cannot like see each other. It's, it's a little off putting until finally there's a fencing scene, right? Where Ew. they perform this Ew, very way. elaborate fight sequence, kind of complimentary of each other as well until it ends with one of them in like a water trough or something. Yeah, they like so they they fight all around the campground and fucking pirates of the Caribbean up in here, dude. I won't be able to remember. I think Annie is the British one, right? Yes. Yes. Annie. Okay. Annie. Annie. Annie wins and Hallie. 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 Hallie, Jesus. Um, Hallie ends up falling in a water trough. Why there's a water trough? I don't know. There's no pigs. <laughs> um, falls in a water trough, and Hallie ends up bringing Annie with her into the water trough. So, oh boy, Brandon, they're 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 enemies right off the bat. Yeah, and there's a moment of shock when they first see each other. Like, huh, you kind of look familiar to me, but. Everyone else is kind of setting in like, holy shit, these guys look like identical. How do they not? They don't. Really, how do they not pick this up right away? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. They don't really seem like it's any big deal. Like, there's a rivalry immediately sparked. One of Annie's heavies, by the way, is like, want me to deck her for you? This little like fucking shrimp. Oh, fucking awesome! By the way, <laughs> favorite part of the movie. You want me to deck her? Fuck yeah! Later that night, there's a poker game where the stakes are exponentially increased by fucking George Thorogood's Bad to the Bone. I'll tell you that much, my friend. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. <laughs> what a needle drop. I like that. Back as a kid, loved it. <laughs> Annie loses this hand and is forced to jump into the lake naked. But naked. 
And all the girls are watching like creeps. They steal her goddamn clothes afterwards and, you know, let the prank war begin. It's essentially like a little kid's version of meatballs at this point. I, it is. It is. <laughs> this freaking montage of a prank war is crazy. Annie's bunkmates take all of Hallie's bunkmates' beds and puts them on the roof somehow. I don't know how the hell they got that one done. Then Hallie's mates put, like, honey everywhere in their room and set up these water balloon and yarn traps oh, and it's mazes. it's so fucking complicated and convoluted. I don't know how they got it all done in one night without waking anybody up. It, it This really is just to show you that they're kind of, like, ingenious rapscallions. You know what I mean? Hallie is watching through the window, actually, which I guess leads me to believe were they all just outside the whole night just waking, waiting for them to wake up in the morning? That's devious. I guess. These, yeah, these I mean, fucking pranksters. These kids are a little psychotic. It's fine. Unfortunately, there's a surprise inspection, and the pranks are revealed in quite a zany scene in which the headmaster and counselor slip and slide their way through the cabin. I'm sure the actual head of the camp's not called Headmaster Spencer. I don't need a letter. But as punishment, both Hallie and Annie are sent to the isolation cabin. I want to know if this is a real thing, because I got to tell you, Brandon. I had dreams about living in an isolation cabin. I'd be like, yeah, I'd be all the fuck over this. How is this punishment? You're left completely unsupervised to your own devices. You can do literally whatever you want, and you don't have to do any of the stupid camp activities that they forced you to do. Your roommate count just went from like five to one. Exactly. Like, you got more space. You're on a hill. Everything seems fun here. You're it's you're in the quiet. Yeah, this seems like a this doesn't seem like a fucking punishment. You guys ruined camp for everybody. You're getting a promotion. Yeah, you're getting a suite, and you don't have to do any. And guess what? There's no wake up calls. There's no nothing. Do what you want. Also, they um make the entire camp march out to the isolation cabin with them, and then they're just like, all right, go back. <laughs> yeah, it's like set to the great escape. See the score or whatever. Yeah, it's very uh. odd. The first night is a bit rough. They spend it basically turning on and off the lights the entire goddamn time. We meet Hallie's little stuffed toy cuppy the next day. Zach, do you have a cuppy? Yeah, I had a Power Ranger. Nice. That's pretty fucking manly. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was a red one. <laughs> also named yeah. cuppy. Hallie, also a bit of relatability. Hallie has a pick of Leonardo DiCaprio, which was nice to see that some things never age. And fucking Annie's <laughs> like, who's that? I, excuse me? Yeah. You're British, not brain dead. <laughs> Exactly. This is the same year as his twin movie, The Man in the Iron Mask, where he's playing dual roles. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks. You can check yeah, in case you ever need that piece of Jeopardy trivia. Good to know. Uh, and another piece of my childhood, the Oreos and peanut butter. You know what? It, it They make it seem like it's such a weird, like unique thing. Sounds like the best fucking idea in the world, honestly. Don't pretend... <laughs> Like, you're special because you eat fucking something amazing. Yeah, exactly. She even goes as far to say some people think it's disgusting. Who the fuck thinks this is disgusting? Who the fuck has the balls to say <laughs> that peanut butter and Oreos is disgusting? Front and center, please. Write us a letter to Nostalgia Be Damned, and we will put you uh, uh, through the fucking gauntlet. I promise you that. <laughs> you will 100% be on blast, for sure. Oh. You know, what's funny, so this film and the 1961 feature product placement by Nabisco. The original, the girls are seen eating Fig Newtons. This one, Oreo and peanut butter. That's that's a real sign of the times, how, how far we've come. Fig Newtons to fucking Oreos and peanut butter. You know what, though? I fucking do love Fig Newtons. Fig Newtons I are think, awesome. <laughs> they keep it relatable at all times. <laughs> uh, so it's a it's a perfect evolution is what it exactly. is. Exactly. Well played, Disney. 
So this is where everything kind of comes out all through conversation and dialogue. They discover Annie only has a mother and Hallie only has a father. Oh, wait, they also have the same birthday. Each of them only have one photo of their other parent. And it's a torn photograph. Do you think? Maybe. Hang on a second. Again, I. It, you know what? I'll give them credit because this is a very emotional scene. It hits you. It hits you hard when they're like, oh, my God. I have a sister. This is amazing. We're twins, you know. Um, but again, I just want to reiterate how fucking bizarre it is that they didn't figure this out on the first glance at each other. I, I, if I saw someone who looked exactly like me, I'm calling my mom. Either I shoot that man in the face to kill him because there, there can't be two of me. Something's gone wrong. He's a clone. Or yeah, we're both phoning my mom to figure out what the fuck's gone down. Yeah. And they put the torn photo together, and it's the wedding photo from the beginning, dude. They're sisters. We're more than sisters, Hallie. We're twins. Weep, 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 weep. I mean, again, this is a remake, so it's not an original story or anything. But it's a fun concept for a film, and they play it up here, and it's it's a sweet little moment. I like it. You know, it is sweet, and it is a unique concept for a film, you know, relative to its predecessor, obviously. I The whole time, I was just thinking, who the fuck would do this? to their kids that's the only thing that came to my head in this entire movie i was like how fucking selfish do you need to be like okay if you know their kids from maybe like two separate marriages i understand that you know what i mean like if they're step siblings like you you don't really need to meet your steps (laughs) 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 but um just the like they're twins. They're like they're identical people, and you're gonna you were just gonna go their whole lives not telling them like, hey, there's a second one of you. Like it was gonna come out one day, like at breakfast, like, oh yeah, there's a there's another one. This happens. This happens far more often than you'd like think, which is scary. That movie, Three Identical Strangers, that documentary, this this shit happens. It's terrifying. I don't like it. It's very selfish. It's so self- <laughs> it's super upsetting. Like, and it's not like you know, I, it, there are circumstances where this could happen. You know, probably like. In real life, there's probably something way deeper, maybe a little bit more darker in this. This one is just like crazy selfish of the parents. They straight up just choose not yeah, to tell. Yeah, it just comes out that like they're just like, well, we'll split them. Like, what? No, that's not how it works. Because And like their rationale is like, well, we agreed never to see each other again. Fuck you. Your parents. It's a little bit bigger than you at this point, you fucking assholes. Fuck these. I don't like these parents anymore, man. The only way to get back at them, honestly, is to create an equally devious and sinister plan. A trap for the parents. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, my God. Brandon, you think that's where this name of the movie comes from? That's where they got it. Yeah. So they spend the entire night talking about their parents, and they decide that Hallie will go back as Annie, and Annie will go back as Hallie. So they spend the rest of camp, you know, all their time in isolation, Basically learning how to be the other sister. Again, psychotic, psychotic learning. Psychotic, but again, very intelligent. And I also really like the fact that they have the foresight to know that this will come to an end. Like like they they discuss, eventually they will have to switch us back. But what happens is they'll be forced to meet at that point. But I I like that it's not dumb kids just not thinking of the consequences of their actions. It is maybe one of the smartest plans ever devised by kids because their whole rationale is like, we're going to get fucking caught eventually. Like, yeah. you're right. There are so many kids in movies that would just, like, gung-ho, like, we're not going to get caught. We're fucking smarter than these adults. It's not yeah. true. Kids are stupid. Not the. I mean, but these kids have the foresight to be like, this is a fucking ridiculous idea. It's only a matter of time. But they make it work to their advantage, and I do appreciate that these kids 
aren't fucking idiots. This is the the type of plan that a Kevin McAllister would come up with if he didn't spend all of his time trying to devise schemes and ways to murder other human beings and whatnot. If he channeled it a, a little less sinister. If he if Kevin McAllister had a heart made of gold instead of lead, <laughs> this we he'd just be parent trapping people. He'd be he'd be tricking people. He'd have gotten the wet bandits to kiss by the end of the movie. Instead, <laughs> instead of attempting to kill them several times, we get a montage of them learning the details of each other's life. You know, do you, all set to "Do You Believe in Magic." You know, where do you go wrong? Have a fucking montage or two in this movie, by the way. This is like our fourth montage. It's <laughs> barely 27 minutes into the movie. Yep, and we'll get many, many more, my friend. We get the haircutting scene because Hallie has longer hair. So ha- I'm sorry, Annie has longer hair. So she has to cut it to match Hallie's. Plus, that's not the only difference, dude. Hallie's got pierced ears. Ooh, this one hit home because I remember being present when both of my sisters got their ears pierced. I'm fortunate not to have my ears pierced. But I remember going to the mall and watching them get their ears pierced and just being like, mm. and like that looks difficult by professional standards. I can't fucking imagine letting some girl at summer camp do it with a fucking needle. Did they have similar you know, reactions? Did they scream? Uh, one of them cried for a long time, but she was a lot younger. <laughs> and then the other one, the other one cried a little bit. The last day of camp. They finally go their separate ways with new itinerary, new accents, because they have to learn that old bullshit. Martin meets Annie, like we mentioned before, in the airport. Thankfully, she knows that special handshake. And this is where, yeah, we're like, oh, fuck, dude, they really went all out on this. We get a there she goes again montage through London. There she blows, if you if you like the pirate version better. We don't. I do. Uh, Annie then gets to meet her grandfather for the first time. She takes a big old sniff, big whiff. Dude, I, all these, like... Seeing people for the first time scenes, they got to me. They really this did. Got, like, this scene right here got the me. The idea of like this little girl is meeting her grandfather for the first time. <sighs> and her mother. And when she meets her mom. Oh, yeah, my God. This whole yeah, scene the arc. whole thing is just like, God damn. Good acting all around. Lindsay Lohan does a phenomenal job. And we haven't mentioned how they did this because, again, she wears like an earpiece to hear – you know, the other's lines so she can react. They shoot a lot of yeah. it in widescreen or wide shots so that they can kind of just cut the frame and put them each on either side. A lot of double work, but it's impressive because there's maybe a few scenes, a few moving scenes that you can kind of tell there's some computer trickery here. But for the most part, it sells the illusion 100%. There's one scene where they're in the woods that I was like, well, that yeah, I can tell there's a green screen. <laughs> Wait, when screen. they pop behind the fucking tree? Yeah, when they pop behind the tree, I was like, <laughs> okay, that's a green screen on another green screen. That looked... That one was a little rough, but I, I'm glad you brought it up because for the most part, I was, I'm was i still impressed with how good this looks today. Yeah, it's essentially seamless. They, and she does a phenomenal job of really giving each of the girls their own character, really going above and beyond most mm-hmm. child actors, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, everything about the twin aspect of this movie is impressive compared to how Lindsay Lohan reacts to you know when she's essentially trying to talk to herself to other people reacting when there's clearly they're either looking at a body double or you know and Lindsay lohan or or maybe just like one Lindsay lohan and a placeholder it's yep it, it's done remarkably well i'm very impressed with how everything is done in this movie in terms of that seamless integration with the twins yeah the fact that we're talking about a 
mischievous set of twins movie in the late 90s and we're not considering the leads for the worst child protagonists speaks volumes especially for a child actress who's making her film debut and a director who's making her film debut it's it's i'll just say it it's impressive hats off yeah and this scene right here i did honestly almost get a little almost a little teary-eyed because they have great chemistry her meeting her mom for the first time it's pretty cute martin finds cuppy in new annie's bag i don't know how we're gonna go forward because this is really confusing about you know how to mention who they really are so i'm just gonna say you know maybe new new hallie new annie i I don't know what you want me to do man (laughs) i don't know man why are you looking at me i always call them by their like actor (laughs) yeah we can't do this because it's Lindsay lohan in both roles now Lindsay lohan one british (laughs) Lindsay lohan two british Lindsay lohan one america i don't know i don't know this movie's breaking me. I will say, as a kid, this part of the movie always bored me. There's this part that's dedicated to a fashion and jewelry and, like, the elegance of their home and whatnot. And her job, because we accompany her on a photo shoot. There's a cute little bit where they cross Abbey Road, which if you knew where Abbey Road is actually located in London, they went out of their fucking way to get there. <laughs> that I, I remember because I thought my Disney Plus froze up for a second, so I had to rewind it for 10 seconds. They do a freeze frame of them walking across Abbey Road, and I audibly just said, ew. <laughs> oh, the, the only thing that makes you say ew louder is the Here Comes the Sun cover, because they couldn't afford the actual Beatles song that's playing under this. I did notice that uh, the montage of the model wearing the wedding dress, it was some sort of like club remix of Life in a Northern Town. And I was like, this is fucking awesome (laughs) i want to keep listening to this later you know new annie begins asking all these questions about her father they learn that or she learns rather that they met on that ship they were married which means within that that whole like ship cruise they met and were married i have a lot of questions about this relationship to be honest i mean even they'll say it towards the end of the movie they're like we moved really quickly with that and like again Totally understand. Like, that happens sometimes. You know, people get in the throw of the moment. They're on a fucking... They're essentially doing the Titanic, but on a competent ship. They fall in love. <laughs> they fall in love. They get married. They have twins. I mean, think about that in the span of, like, probably a couple of months. Like, they got married and had twins. <laughs> I mean, it's totally understandable why it wouldn't maybe work out as a couple but again be a little bit more responsible with how you handle this separation in regards to your twin daughters yeah and she's a catch he's a fucking hunk oh speaking of we yeah. finally get to meet more of nick parker oh my god the zoom in on fucking hunky dennis quaid at the airport at the yes, airport man. oh <laughs> american legend this guy i said the uh. opposite of you <laughs> i audibly said <laughs> exactly. oh my uh. god yeah jesus oh jeez <sighs> he looks great man he, he looks, looks amazing fucking great i love this guy and have we talked about have we had films with dennis quaid yet is this his first episode on the show i think this might be his debut i think this may be be, which is shocking because man for a guy i loved growing up i'm glad we finally get to talk about and he owned i i mean that's probably what it is he's in some pretty good movies that we wouldn't talk about on this show usually but sure he really owned uh like a good section of the 90s 2000s 
We should watch that uh, frequency one. Remember the time travel one with Dennis Quaid? That could be a fun one. Yeah, that would be good. Anyway, New Hallie and Nick have their moment to meet, which, by the way, decidedly less emotional. We just watched, like, the first daughter meet her mom for the first time. He's basically like, what's up? Let's head out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely, I think, in, and it is because he is written as this, like, suave, even though they'll go on to say, like, yeah, he's kind of a mess, um, but he's not. <laughs> No. Did you notice that? Like, there's a scene where Jesse's like, look, we know your dad's kind of a mess. <laughs> like, uh, he owns a fucking vineyard, a massive mansion, all this land. He's a goddamn G. Owns a vineyard in Napa Valley. He He's Dennis Quaid. He looks great. Fuck off. He's not. Yeah. Beefcake. Don't, like, I'm not going to buy that he's like, uh, women don't like this guy. Are you kidding me? How's he not already remarried? Yeah, he's driving New Halley home while he's wearing a fucking cowboy hat inside the truck. Loved it. Holy fuck. <laughs> Loved it. Happy to see you, sport. Let's hit in the truck. <laughs> yep. And New Hallie is much worse at this than New Annie, because she oh is God. dropping all kinds of hints and signals that she's not the real daughter. <laughs> New Annie in Britain. I thought she does a really good job of tricking the family. Like, she does yeah. a really good job of blending in, not saying anything outlandish. New Hallie should have been caught in the first five minutes. She sure. fucks up royally in like every fucking scene. And the dog fucking hates her. <laughs> yeah. And again, that kind of speaks, though, to, you know, the performance quality of Lohan. Because, again, when we first established Hallie, she's kind of the more street smart one that you'd picture to be able to pull off the charade more capably. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to the other one. So, again, I really am just impressed by her in general. But we but like you said, we get to meet the dog, Sammy, who's pissed off, just barks at her all the time. We meet Chessie, who's played by Lisa Ann Walter, who's Nick's housekeeper and Hallie's nanny. And yeah, she's using all this weird well, it's what's funny is they claim it's proper word phrases like lovely girl and horrid habit, which led me to believe maybe she was just like walking around saying like fuck you, dad <laughs> before yeah. this. <laughs> no, she definitely is a little bit more roughneck, you can tell. Exactly. Well, she's American, dude. That's right. Fuck yeah. And in America, we don't say that bullshit. No, we don't say fucking horrid here. <laughs> fuck that. Give me a blood blaster. But dad has someone he wants to introduce to New Hallie. He's got a girlfriend, Elaine Hendricks as Meredith Blake, 26-year-old child-hating publicist. Uh, I got to say, back in the day... Found this lady very attractive as a young man, as a young boy. I uh, hated the character, as you're supposed to, but I always found this actress very alluring in my younger years. Really? Yes. Yes. I, You know what? Never really connected with me as a younger child. Interesting. But Dennis Quaid did. Well, obviously. Look at him. I'm just making sure that you are at least, you know, American. You, you still have blood pumping in your heart. Yeah. I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I want, and I want Dennis Quaid. <laughs> Oh, boy. No, but yeah, she is awful at this. She, it's, a, again, a fun performance because she's relishing and really being this, you know, if Jamie Jamie Foxx would call her a gold digger, would he not? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She, again, it speaks to the casting in this movie. She's perfect. She really is. She does such a good job in this movie. So does uh, Lisa Ann Walter as Chessie. I think Chessie does a really great job here as well because she seems to know or think that Meredith is also in it only for the money. Was there a single actor in this movie who you were like, I think they could have done better here? Because I really don't see it. I got to be honest. Most of these people, all the central characters are at the top of their game. They're doing really good performances here. Yeah. 
New Hallie is trying to break them up. She doesn't want them together. She tells Meredith there have been 28 women before her. Because uh, there's this whole back and forth between how old she is and whatnot. So Annie and Hallie manage to chat on the phone in secret. When Once they discuss Meredith, real Hallie doesn't want to go back to her home. She wants more time with the mother. She says kind of basically like, handle it on your own. Deal with this. Yeah. It seems the help really starts to realize that these kids, something's up here. Because Chessie continues to suspect something is wrong. Because Hallie won't eat. She uh, is yeah saying all this weird shit. What do you know? The freaking, the nanny knows the child better than the dad. This is America, people. Wake up. <laughs> Open your eyes. We find out Meredith, though, plans to kind of insinuate herself into Nick's life and push Hallie out to boarding school. Dad is planning to actually propose to Meredith very soon. Or are they already proposed? It seems I, like they're already engaged. They're already engaged. And, okay. He just hasn't told her yet. And you want to know about Dennis Quaid's decision-making in this movie. So he got married on a boat last time and had twin girls. Yeah, Haley didn't know Meredith before she went off to summer camp. That's eight weeks, two months. In eight weeks, two months, Dennis Quaid has met a publicist and gotten engaged to her. (laughs) This fucking guy. The guy just needs to slow down a little bit. Most of his choices are all on point. As he's walking out the door, do I bring the cowboy hat or not? Yeah, <laughs> solid, solid decision. Business savvy. He's fashion savvy. Uh, he clearly works out. <laughs> but when it comes, <laughs> when it comes to women, yikeroos, Bonnaroo. Nick Parker, get your shit together. Dennis Quaid keeps trying to tell Hallie or new Hallie, you know, his big plans, but she secretly kind of knows what he wants to tell her. So she keeps leaving. There's at one point she even just like race you home, dad. And she just leaves on horseback. How does this girl who grew up in the Metro of London expertly know how to ride a horse? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. There might have been a a line. A lot of this they explain away in in lines of dialogue. They're pretty good. So maybe there was one I missed, but I don't think they explained that one away. She does say at the pool, like, oh, yeah, she's used to strangers riding her or something like that, Um, which, okay, that's fine. The horse is used to it, but you still don't know how to ride a horse. And when she gets back home, she starts speaking in her, you know, her normal accent and Chessie overhears. So everything is finally revealed, at least to Chessie. She starts weeping and hugs her. And again, another really sweet little moment, dude. Yeah, but but this probably my biggest laugh of the movie because and like not intentional because Jessie like has a breakdown. She's like, oh, my God, I I'm love sorry, her so much. Zach, she looks I think so you be- might be saying Jessie. And I just want to oh, reiterate. Chessie. Thank you. Excuse me. Chessie. <laughs> You're a, right. Because it's a fucking stupid name. You're right. Chessie. <laughs> um, she has like this breakdown. She's like, oh my God, she's so beautiful. Because it's dawning on her like this is a little girl who I saw like briefly as a child and then went to live. You know, she should have essentially been helping to raise this little girl, essentially a second mother to her. Um, and she's seen her really for the first time and she's obviously emotional and she's crying. She's like, I'm going to go make you some food. I, I love you. And I love her so much. She's so beautiful. And she just walks away and Dennis Quaid acts like nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't suspect a fucking thing. He's like, okay, sit down. <laughs> doesn't suspect anything. Doesn't address that Chessie is acting like a fucking psychopath. Yeah. Even after Annie or new Hallie starts speaking French at one point. Did they teach you French at camp? <laughs> Dennis Quaid, I, like, you know, everybody else gets a pass for falling for this because, again, the girls do a pretty good job. 
Dennis Quaid's an idiot. Like he's, <laughs> if you were to pick one stupid person in this movie, because everybody, everybody, even the villain is pretty smart in this movie. Everybody has like a good head on their shoulders. They can be excused for any trickery that they fall under, except Dennis Quaid. He marries women at the drop of a pin and doesn't suspect that his suddenly fluently French-speaking daughter <laughs> or his maid who just had a fucking mental breakdown that something might be wrong. But it's at this point she tells her dad, or she, no, I'm sorry, she just blows up. She's super pissed off that he's planning on mar- marrying Meredith. That's when Meredith arrives with her speakers blaring some fresh fucking prints, dude. That's how you know she's a, a cool a cool character. Yeah, someone you yeah. like. Oh, my God. Parents, That's awesome. Parents just don't understand. <laughs> she has a bell that she rings to get Chessie's attention. Ooh, Classic bitchy character. That was fucking annoying. That drove me up the wall. That's cold. At that point, that's like, as Dennis Quaid, I would have looked at her and been like, are you fucking kidding me? Chessie's been here way longer than you have. Yeah, exactly. New Hallie finally chats with Meredith at Meredith's request, and they have a nice little back and forth here. It's just constant, like, condescension to one another. (laughs) You know what I mean? As they're going back and forth. Passive aggressive. It's great. And I like that Meredith is very upfront about her motivations to directly to Hallie, essentially. She doesn't come right out and say that she's in it for the money, but she says that, you know, I plan on getting you out of my life once I'm, you know, his one and only girl. The adults all do a really good job at talking to young Lindsay Lohan. Like, everybody's got a good scenes with her. Yeah, they don't, talk, again, they don't really talk down to her much like they're not talking down to us as the audience. They treat her... You know, other than, I guess, the the whole lies that she's lived her entire life under, the fact thinking that she was a single child. Other than that, they're pretty legit. <laughs> everybody's, like, granted, everybody's really mean to each other, but everybody's super respectful of each other. They're like, you're smart. I get it. Back in London, new Annie is enjoying some dinner with the family when a dog barking 911 fax comes in. That was quite the... Uh, time portal she also asks at this point at the table to drink some wine back in the 90s dude when kids can drink in disney movies you don't see that much anymore and her palate by the way so impressive that i think it's meant to imply that she's been drinking for years on her you know dad's ranch back home she lives in a vineyard so she apparently she's got a really good sense of tasting wine (laughs) again i just like paul giamatti to shame i love dennis quaid but i'm questioning everything about his character nick parker's a little weird we're not drinking any fucking merlot (laughs) new annie phones new hallie in the phone booth down the street and it's overheard by the grandfather so they take a stroll through the park where i believe everything is revealed off camera because then they come back home and this is where it's all revealed to mom I was going to say, this is back to a tearjerker again, because this is when it's been these cool, like, little revivals, like, oh, we're meeting for the first time. But, like, it hits a little differently when it's the mother realizing this is my child who I essentially gave up. Yeah, it's super sad. And they play this really well. And, yeah, they tell she tells her everything about how they switch places at camp and she just always wanted to meet her and you know, why she's here and what has to happen, I guess, from here on. Even it's so sad that Martin's like crying outside the bedroom. And again, some of these characters in most of these movies would be really cloying and annoying. But for some reason, like the Chessy character and even Martin. Yeah, I like them. They're just super charismatic and fun. Yeah, I mean, no, nothing ever really goes over the top at this movie. This movie knows when it's like, okay, that's enough. They don't overreach, in my opinion, for the most part. Not a single fart joke. No, super sad. Yeah. 
I, it misses the mark on the fart. <laughs> I was going to say, it's marked a few points down, obviously, from that. Yeah. Could have had an A movie. But yep. Hallie is now lying to her mother. So now we're just going to go back to their regular names because everyone's revealed, essentially. Kind of. Anyway, Hallie is now lying to her mother that her dad is excited to see her. She hasn't actually told them that they're coming. So Elizabeth, at this point, kind of starts to have a bit of a breakdown as she's preparing to go to Napa Valley to work it all out and to at least meet him for the first time in 11 years. Understandably so, this is where the drinking begins. She also has mentioned before that she hates flying. That's right. Yes, that's why she was actually taking the boat in the first place, where they met. Yep. Yep. Now, on the same week, Nick and Meredith are supposed to be going to the same hotel to discuss wedding plans. Her parents are actually coming. That's where I mentioned earlier that same actress is playing her character. Mm-hmm. This scene here, because again, Martin agrees to come with Elizabeth on the trip, is super lively, really fun. I like the way they handle the choreography, the editing, when all of them arrive in this one hotel and they're just narrowly missing each other. Again, this could seem really cheesy in another movie, but it's fun. It's like a Benny Hill skit, but it's done very smoothly. Yes, I like this all a lot because, again, they just keep missing each other. Sammy, the dog, is even there, and he starts chasing after the real Hallie. Nick finally sees Elizabeth for the first time, like we've seen in over a decade, as the elevator doors are closing. And he is very confused as to why she's there. So this tips Liz off that clearly something's up. And now we finally get a lot of this explained to each other. Everyone except for Meredith and Nick are in the same room, and it's all laid out. Liz is trying to get rid of her hangover slash sober up a little bit. So she goes down to the bar for a little pick me up. And that's where she meets freaking Meredith because obviously Meredith uh, is bougie as hell and has seen Liz's wedding dress designs and is like, hey, please make my wedding dress. So they meet before they before the parents meet each other again. The fiance and the ex-wife meet. Meredith is simply a fan of Elizabeth, not knowing she was married to Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid, on the other hand, Nick Parker, he's fucking smitten, dude. He cannot believe that his ex-wife is here and he's getting dressed to the nines. He's bumping into everybody because he's so fucking earth-shattered. Dude, and he still, still remains fucking oblivious to everything as he's conversing with his other daughter who, you know, this is the first time he's technically seen her since before summer camp because now this is, you know, her meeting him. It's just fucking ridiculous that he still doesn't know anything's going on except for, man, it sure is strange to see Liz after all these years. I mean, he's <laughs> just kind of a fucking idiot. I don't know what to tell you, man. He is, but thank, I mean, it's Dennis Quaid, so you can't be, you can't be mad at the guy, you know? Mm-hmm. But you mentioned him bumbling all around. He stumbles around the pool when he spots Elizabeth and on his way over he falls into it awfully clumsy American hero still Liz and Nick finally meet and Nick is soaking wet in a fucking suit god damn <laughs> <laughs> got a freaking cut on his eye he's I mean he looks worse for the wear but also still looking great yeah absolutely and Annie and Hallie come clean to him. He finally meets them like both and sees them both together. And there's a warm reunion. Everyone's revealed to each other, including Liz and Meredith, who, you know, Meredith joins the whole conversation. Mm. You know, the parent trap has been set, sprung, and is now in motion. Consider the parents trapped. (laughs) (laughs) So that night, Hallie and Annie recreate the night their parents met by renting out a yacht for an evening. I think thanks to grandfather. Thankfully, they mentioned it in dialogue. So I was like, how the fuck did they? I know they're smart, but come on. Yeah, no, I was wondering that too. That was the first thing I said. I was like, they're, they did not get a fucking yacht in San Francisco Bay. <laughs> you can't rent a car to you, 25. <laughs> um, 
Hallie, by the way, weirdly dressed, but like a geisha for zero reason. I don't know why. So weird. Cultural appropriation, man. <laughs> At its finest. Thanks, 1998. Yeah. Uh, ew. But the twins won't be joining their parents for dinner, as this is a romantic dinner. Mm. Chessie and Martin are even there serving, and somehow they also start getting close sexually. I was, believe it or not, Brandon, this is usually the scenes where I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, I have to sit through it. I was looking forward to this scene because I just wanted a fucking explanation. I just wanted to know why they thought it was a good idea to split up their kids and never talk about it ever again. And I didn't really get one because they go into detail a little bit about you know their final moments as a couple where they were just they clearly wanted other things they were going in different directions but it ended in this big argument where she threw a hair dryer at him <laughs> and packed up her bags and just fucking left and she's like and he didn't come after me he's like well i didn't think you wanted me to um, so we get the explanation of like okay they were obviously they were young they moved really quickly they weren't really in a good place that happens, that's understandable, but they still don't really justify breaking up their kids, like, at all. They just go, like, part, I mean, part of the reason we did this arrangement was so that we would never see each other again. That's selfish as fuck. I can't get over that. That is the one plot hole in this movie that I'm just like, I cannot and will not accept that. It's so unbelievably shitty. When you said you were excited for the scene, I thought you were talking about we finally get to see Chessy and Martin hook up. <laughs> well, obviously, I was excited about that, but... No, uh, we do get to see that. But again, it's just... This whole explanation is way super vague. And then, yeah, there's the hairdryer bit. We're meant to, like, make light of domestic violence in this Disney movie, I guess, for drives a Drives me fucking crazy, man. It, yeah, like, it's it, super unsatisfying. It really is the one thing that gnaws at me at this movie is just... It's a shitty thing. And I get that it's a movie and we're just kind of supposed to accept that, like, you know, this is to drive the plot along. It really, really bothers me. They both have their own lives, Zach. This isn't a drive down the street. She's in London. He's in California. How could they ever make it work? Bicontinental relationship? Ew. <laughs> but yeah, ultimately, they just decide that it's best to go their separate ways, really. So the next morning, they agree they're going to just swap kids over holidays, essentially, I guess. Thanks, mom and dad. And they pick like the weird. They pick like weird holidays. Too. <laughs> yeah, like, like I'll take her on Easter. You, you get her on Arbor Day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about Boxing Day? Can I keep her through Boxing Day? <laughs> I fucking love Boxing Day. You know this. Everybody loves Boxing Day in Europe. <laughs> Everybody. So the twins resort to a last ditch effort by demanding a three day family camping trip. They actually refuse to even reveal which twin is which until after they return. Some real fucking negotiator shit here. And smart. At the last minute again, Elizabeth tricks Meredith into taking her place on the camping trip. Super devious of Liz. I like my respect for Liz shot the fuck up. I was like, oh my God, Liz, you cocky bitch. So yeah, this I got this for the very first time on this watch. As a kid, I just thought she was being like kind of like a very selfish person not wanting to go on the trip with them. But the look she gives Dennis Quaid and then Dennis Quaid smiles almost as if he knows what's going to happen. I wonder if she did this knowing it would ruin their relationship. I, You know what? I think she does. It seems that I, way, right? I think she does because it, she under – they even – Chessie oh, – I hate that name. Chessie even says that. Like as they're fading out of this scene, she's like, I would pay so much money to see that woman walk through the mountains. 
And yeah. I think that's her intent. She's like, this woman, who's clearly kind of a piece of shit, is going to look so fucking stupid on a camping trip. So this movie is two hours and eight minutes long. Now, as I was watching it on this watch, again, we'll get into whether that's too long or not in our kind of wrap-up. I got so nervous when I saw that runtime, by the way. I was like, oh, fuck me. Same. Now, typically, like a three-act structure, what you would expect in a 90 to 100-minute Disney movie would probably have been the climax taking place at that hotel, them wondering if they're going to meet each other, them finally meeting each other, them having you know their fallout, maybe the little end bit here that we have as a final wrap-up. But... This whole extra, like, almost seems like another act tacked on where they have to return, and then there's the camping trip. I like all of this, so I'm not complaining. This is Mm -hmm. a a complaint. It's just, it's interesting to see a film really expect the kids in the audience to have the attention span to go along with these characters and just not expect jokes every minute, not expect constant zany things happening every second. It's kind of a mature child's film in my opinion you're right in any other movie it feels like an excuse to get a few more hijinks in there um and any other movie would just be like you know pepper them in throughout the rest of the movie like oh goofy you know but this movie is just like no we're gonna take a whole like sub act and like get it all out there and then we're right back to fucking the emotional stuff it gives you like ebbs and flows in this movie it is The screenplay of this movie is remarkably well done. Uh, The twins, not happy about Elizabeth staying behind and Meredith coming along. So guess what, Zach? More fucking pranks, my friend. Oh, fucking Animal House, dude. (laughs) They've been adding rocks to her, you know, her gym bag on her back, which she doesn't know what's happening, despite the sound of clinking rocks in the background. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny, though. It is, it is. As well as the lizard on her water bottle, which I think, if you would ask me as a kid was the most memorable moment from this movie. This whole camping trip scene, I loved. I also, I think I distinctly remember from the trailer, I, I didn't go back and watch the trailer, but I think I distinctly remember from the trailer the lizard going into her mouth. That's right, because it first gets on the bottle, then in her hair, and it crawls down and into her mouth. She spits yeah. it out, and Dennis Quaid's just like, <laughs> what happened now, honey? <sighs> What's going on? <laughs> that night, they're all chilling in some tents, fireside, eating some trout. Except for Meredith, of course, because she doesn't eat trout. Trout's fucking delicious, you fucking stuck-up bitch. Absolutely delicious. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Get out of here. She also hates all the uh, mosquito bites, thanks to the bug spray consisting of sugar and water that was given to her by uh, the girls. Those fucking Those freaking pranksters, dude. Devious little pranksters. <laughs> you know what I bet she doesn't hate, Zach? The radio that's playing How Bizarre. Oh, oh my God. God. Yeah. Yeah. How Bizarre. How Bizarre. <laughs> How is, like, Dennis Quaid gives what you could say is probably the closest to a stern talking to that you see in this movie. Of Let's be honest. These kids, for the last, like, three months, have been absolute pieces of shit. <laughs> like, they, like, they swapped with each other. They set up their parents on an unwanted blind date. They fucking are being just mercilessly rude to this woman who they don't really even know. Out of, like, spite. And the best they get to is, like, Dennis Quaid just being like, girls, knock it off, okay? (laughs) Like, (laughs) these little monsters. 
<laughs> exactly. I, this movie doesn't work with a middle class family because no. one, the plane trips alone back and forth to these places that adds up. And then I started wondering, like, what would a darker parent trap be like? What if they met at the summer camp and one of them was abused or something, but she didn't tell the other one and just swapped places, Jesus and then they had to go back to like the abusive family? <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> She sells out her sister. That's like the darker version of this. Stay on the line after we end the podcast. Let's write it. <laughs> oh, my God. Parent Trap 2 trapped harder. <laughs> there is a Parent Trap 2, by the Wait, way. Wait, get out of here. Like a sequel to this movie? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was a direct-to-DVD sequel. Ooh, I don't know, dude. Nothing came up in my research, but I could be wrong. Hold on. Stay tuned. Yeah, please look that up as I continue here. So, yeah, yeah. before bed, though, Meredith, after you know what? I'm having gonna, it. I'm going to stop off. you right oh. away. Uh, the Parent Trap 2 is a 1986 American made-for-television comedy film and a sequel to the 1961 film Parent Trap. Oh, so the sequel so the to the sequel original. sequel to the original. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Thanks for clearing that up. You're welcome. So before bed, Meredith, to get a little revenge, plants a big wet smooch right on Dad in front of the twins. So they're pretty pissed off, so pissed off that while she's sleeping, they drag her inflatable bed out onto the lake so that the next morning when she wakes up, she falls in the fucking lake, dude. Comedy gold. Because there's a bird eating at her, too. <laughs> Yeah, and she's mistaking it for some sort of sexual advances. She's like, mm, that feels nice. Yeah, I bet it does. <laughs> but she's had it at that point. Pretty pissed off. So much so, she makes the ultimatum. Yep, she makes the, the mistake that every shitty fiancé makes. Them or me. Yep, them. He even goes so far as to spell it out for her because she spelled Y-O-U earlier, dude, in a funny little Oh, change. it was a callback. Yeah, exactly. Callback, call dude. Good script writing. Yeah. So that's it. That's the end of them. They head home early. Nick agrees to cook a nice dinner for Liz after sending the kids to bed. Wink, wink. They have a nice time down in the cellar. Oh, dude, his wine cellar? Holy shit. This is awesome. He's showing her these insane wines, like some wine that he collected from the day that the U.S. beat japan in world war ii he's like yeah i got this vj day wine it's awesome fuck and then he He still has the bottle dude the one from their wedding not only does he have the bottle of wine that they served at their wedding he has bought out every single bottle of that brand from that year He's got every wine yeah. from their wedding day. He fucking never got over her, the little puss. Yeah, what a puss, dude. It almost makes you wonder why he didn't at one point in 11 years check up on his other daughter or see if maybe his ex-wife wanted to get back together. Again, just, uh, I got... Not the best decision maker. Not the best decision screen. maker. And again, just confusing dynamic of this divorce. They both realize, though, in an almost moment where they kiss, they still have feelings for one another, but once again decide it's better off to go our separate ways. Well, it doesn't help that freaking... They would have started kissing, but Chessie comes home early from getting piped out on a two-day pipeathon. <laughs> Martin is sore, that's for sure. Yeah, and uh, that kind of not only kills the mood, but it brings Liz's back to her senses. Like, you know what? We stopped doing this for a reason. I can't do it again. It's too complicated. So Annie and Liz leave just to kiss on the cheek. Even Martin is now forced to leave that sweet, sweet Jesse that he's been having the time of his fucking life with. Yeah, that he went to freaking Pound Town for a three-day marathon with. <laughs> but when they get home, it's not all sad news. They arrive back in London. Hallie is there to greet them. It took us about 30 seconds after you left to realize we didn't want to lose you again. 
they somehow beat them to London. They were like, you know, if you take the Concordia, you get here in half the time. Oh. Okay. That's, I don't think that's true, but okay. Yeah, and for a second there, as I started questioning that, it all came out of my head because outsteps American dreamboat beefcake Dennis Quaid. <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't give you a second to to think about the implications of what they've done because freaking <laughs> Dennis Quaid shows up with his fucking charming like I let you go once I ain't gonna do it again. Yep, steals your attention right back and he walks toward Liz very slowly, plants the smooch of a fucking lifetime on her, and we end on a snapshot montage of the wedding. This will be. This will be the end of the movie, Zach. Yep. Was there anything else? Because I turned it off once I heard the music. I saw the photo montage. I saw directed by and I was like, okay, done. Mm, I don't know, dude. I didn't stay for a stinger. I really hope that Chessie and Martin got together in the end. I really hope that Liz wasn't forced to leave her studio in London to have to come to California to forfeit her career and dreams. Okay, well, you can... I'm sure you can run a wedding studio out of Napa Valley. I'm sure you can design wedding dresses literally anywhere. Oh, yeah, you're right. He can't grow that sweet Pinot Noir dude anywhere else. I got you. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like that they make this whole fuss about like, oh, I mean, you know, I have my career here in London. You have your vineyard in Napa Valley. The Napa Valley vineyard cannot be up and moved. Your ideas can go with you everywhere. I think you're okay. Well, I'm you guys sorry. See where Zach stands in the you know the household dynamic of the male female relationship. I'm not make. A what about grandfather, you. dude? <laughs> fuck you. You know what I'm talking about. I it do. Is way easier Which is why for I her never, to have. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even second guess it, dude. There, it's a it's a pretty nice wrap up of an ending to a pretty sweet movie, I must say. <laughs> do you mind if I jump in and just go ahead? Please do. Yeah, go ahead. I, Brandon, this one might be one of the best movies we've ever watched on this episode. I was so nervous when I saw that two hours and eight minute runtime. It flew by, man. This movie is well made. It's well done. It's well casted. Yes, I have issues with some of the plot. But again, I think it's just believable enough where I have to make way for like creative license. Like, I, you know... They have to be separated. Don't You don't have to buy it, but that's just the movie. That's what it is. Everything else, man, I think holds up so extremely well. I think it's still timely. Families still are complicated. You know, you may not have a twin that you've never met living in London, but a lot of people in this country and all across the world can relate to sort of this weird family dynamic. I think it's very on point. It's really well made. It's well written. It holds up extremely well. Everybody acts well in it. I really can't find a lot of faults with this movie. I think the runtime, maybe, again, with that extra camping scene, you could have cut 20 minutes out of this movie. But it's it's a good 20 minutes. It's, you know, it's like I didn't feel like at any point in this movie, maybe cut down on a montage or two. But other than that, I think it runs really smoothly. Um, you said 86 on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going to give it an unprecedented 90 here. Ooh, I really think it is shit. one of the best movies we've seen. I would show it to your kids. If you're nostalgic about it, if you love this movie growing up, watch it again. It's worth the watch. It might You might not feel the same nostalgia you felt watching it, because I didn't really feel that, and maybe it was because I was so young when I watched it. But what I did feel was I was watching a good family movie, and it was in that sweet spot of... 90s Disney's where it wasn't 
all specifically for kids. There were things that I enjoyed as an adult. It, family rom-com might be a weird genre, but they found a good niche with it. I think it works really well. I'm shocked. I'm baffled. Yeah, we have... Uh... <clears throat> We've been treated the last two weeks after Drumline, another movie that we really enjoyed. This is, like you said, one of the best movies we've covered on the podcast. Lindsay Lohan's performance here is out of this world, in my opinion. One of the best child performances I think I've seen. The way she's able to just differentiate these characters so easily. Easily the best we've seen on this show. I would say so. Definitely. Definitely up there, if not the best. But she is great. Dennis Quaid and Natasha Richardson are super charismatic and charming and everything, despite you know my gripes with their story for why they broke up and some of their foolishness on why they left each other, I think that they are like good parents and good people, even if they are a bit uh, dumb and not recognizing that their daughters have switched places. That being said, though, I think this is super nostalgic. I felt a lot of it watching this movie from the score to uh, just certain scenes that immediately brought me back to when I was watching this for the first time. It really is a fun summer movie. I think a nice movie that, if you do have kids, I think should absolutely watch now and would get quite a bit of enjoyment out of it, especially going into the summer months. An 86%, I think is, I'm going to give it, yeah, like an 85. I think it was super fun. And like I mentioned earlier, the kids are smart. They don't talk down to the audience. It is a bit long, but doesn't necessarily feel it. And when it all comes down to it, I think this, I can't say it's up there with like a, like a Mary Poppins or something like that of such high regard. But when you think of children's entertainment, story-wise, I think from a story structure, this is just one of those classic tales, like The Parent Trap itself. I'm sure we will get another remake because it it's kind of timeless. And I love the fact that in this movie, they kind of refrain from doing a plot, uh, pop culture references and trying to set it in a certain time. It really feels timeless. And I think the story itself will continue to be told. But this is... I think the kind of best edition of it and you really should go for it if you haven't seen it in a while or if you have kids who want to check something out that's new. Yeah, I when you mentioned that they're doing a remake, that that makes me yeah, I have very mixed emotions about that because I really don't think just based on how good this movie is, there needs to be a remake. Now, obviously movie studios don't think that way. They think it works out, we can remake it. And it's true. I think if you do remake this movie, I think it still holds up as a story for a lot of people. Um, so, you know, mixed emotions about moving forward with, <laughs> you know, remaking this movie. But if that one sucks, you can take solace in knowing that the 98 version is just as good as anything you're going to get out of this series. I think in retrospect too, one of the things I really appreciate that about this movie is even though we're in the nineties, late nineties, when CGI and all that stuff's coming up, they don't bite off more than they can chew with this. And they try to stage everything very simply so that it, the illusion that they are twins and two different actresses is much more important than trying to do all this, you know, crazy weird shit with the effects. Like, I think I worry that if this was made today, you know, they're going to do like the David Fincher, Army Hammer, uh, social network shit where they got to rotoscope someone's face and put it on another actor. And like, this is just so simple, split screen for a yeah. lot of it. But you have, if you have a good enough actress and she sells it. Do it that way, because it's a hundred, It's always going to fool me better than them trying to do all this fucking CGI wizardry shit. It looks better than Multiplicity. <laughs> yeah, dude, it looks better than all of these, like, clone-type movies. Yeah, I, I don't know. Well done. Yeah, agreed. Good movie. Good movie indeed. Zach, did you watch anything that's good or bad over the last week or so? Uh, I actually really haven't been watching anything new this week. Kind of a busy week, but I did go ahead. I bit the bullet and 
purchased season five of Better Call Saul, a show I've already recommended, but feel I need to give another recommendation to because I truly believe it's the best show on television. Wow. Moving on. Wow. Yeah, I really do. I think it's the best show. I raised my friend. Uh, I watched the new Netflix movie, The Lovebirds, last night. The Kumail Nanjiani, Disarray. You know, it's it's right down the middle. in terms of those like murder mystery romantic comedies, it's I guess it's better than the Adam Sandler murder mystery, but it's no it's no Game Night, dude. I love Game Night. I thought that was like Game Night's really good. One of the best, yeah, ensemble comedies of of the last like ten fifteen. Like years, a bunch but. of my favorite actors in that movie. Too, <laughs> it's by so the way. good, so good. If you like Kamea, which I do, you know he and Issa Rae really elevate the material. But for the most part, it's a real, you know, by the numbers kind of Netflix comedy. It's okay. Sure, sure. And then the other one I watched was Vivarium, which is starring your favorite actor, Jesse Eisenberg, Zach. Oh, you know how I feel about Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, mm. is a super weird, like, sci-fi, I can't really even call it a horror movie, maybe a thriller about him and Imogen Poots, who's my favorite named actress in Hollywood. <laughs> Imogen Poots. They find, they're going house hunting. They find this uh, weird house in like a suburbia that seems to never end. And then they're stuck there. And then they're forced to raise this kid for the next like few years before they can escape. Uh, Kind of a Twilighty Zone movie that bites off a lot. I won't say it comes together all necessarily in the end, but there's a lot of cool ideas, a lot of fun, weird shit. And it has the single most annoying child performance I've ever seen in a film. Not the child's fault because they cast a child and then they ADR his voice with an with an older man's voice so that it's a little kid. You're looking at a six year old but he sounds like a 45-year-old man, and it's the most unsettling, angering thing I can mention. Gross. <laughs> Gross. And uh, the last one I watched, HBO right now, Teeth. Hadn't seen that since it came out in 2007. This is Vagina Dentata, the woman with uh, teeth in her vagina, if you haven't seen it. Zach, have you seen that? I haven't seen it yet. Um, <laughs> not really feeling it. Thanks, though. <laughs> mixed. We'll say mixed reception, I guess. Yeah. Fair enough. That's all for me, man. You want to tell the fine people what we're uh, watching next week? Uh, Brandon, we've been doing a lot of high-rated shows or movies, so I think we're going to take a right turn on a movie that I could have sworn was good, but critics tell us otherwise. We're watching, I can't remember the year, <laughs> 2002? 2002, I think? I think so. Uh, Denzel Washington, our first D. Washington movie, John Q. Whew. If you had told me that we were going to stick with another one of the best movies we've ever covered on this podcast episodes next week by telling me we were watching John Q, I would have believed you. Somehow baffled to 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 realize this movie has like something like a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. Critically panned. I remember loving this movie. Yeah. I was like, wait, he didn't get nominated for the Oscar that year? <laughs> yeah. I remember it being like that dramatic and like heartfelt. I'm so curious. I cannot wait to watch it because... How can it be this Yeah, bad? this is a strange run of episodes for, I feel like, people who have just stumbled upon the show because we've watched movies that, won. the last two episodes have been really well-reviewed. These are movies that most of the time we watch shitty movies or movies that are negatively reviewed and find them either underrated or overrated. This coming episode, mm-hmm. I think, is going to be one of the rare examples where we're looking at a movie that was critically reviled that we believed was fantastic that hopefully still holds up. I don't know, though. This will be a real nostalgia check for us. This is, go- this is yeah. what this show is about. Yeah, because I know a bunch of people who like John Q. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We're not alone in this. I think the audience scores are much higher for this film, so it'll be interesting to see what critics disliked. Yeah, I'm curious, but that's what we got coming up next week. I'm excited for it. Exactly, and we did just make the jump to 
Instagram. That's right. We're there. You can find us at Nostalgia Be Damned. Uh, we got the actual like full title show. <laughs> Zach, that wasn't taken. Yes. <laughs> Keep going. And it's not like Twitter, you know, that removes some characters. But if you can't find us on either Twitter or Instagram, you can also check us out on Facebook. And if you'd like to shoot us a message, you can send that over to nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com. You can check out this episode and every episode of Nostalgia Be Damned by going to nbd.podbean.com. That is our originally hosted site. You can also find us on iTunes and Spotify. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Please be good people. Please continue to wash your hands. And I think I might have some fucking Oreos and pee-pee tonight, man. That sounds like a good way to end my night. Oh, my God. Diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think I have any of those things in my apartment right now. Oh, I have peanut butter. No Oreos. You just dip your finger in peanut butter. It's just as good. <sighs> or I could just fucking kill myself. <laughs> Holy shit. Zach, no. What a dark way to end the podcast. <laughs> Have a good one, everyone. Bye.